is intolerable. If the master is to hear of this, how is he to hear of anything? He has not been seen in days. After a decisive victory, the master takes time to celebrate, as is his right. He did not seem to be in a celebrating mood when last we saw him. By my count, the master has eliminated two lieutenants he felt has betrayed him. Do you think he would hesitate to dismantle a cybernetic sycophant when he questions him? I am merely pointing out his apparent lack of interest as of late. He is not even here to do his recordings. His what? Why is this thing on? It is on a timer. Get out! Go make yourself useful. Welcome back to the secret lair. I am Drudge, the manservant to the great eclectic dyslexic. The master could not be here as he is celebrating his victory in thwarting the coup from the evil Mastodon and dispatching of the vile Dr. Gene Splicer. All hail the great... (sighs) Okay. The master uses his device to organize his thoughts. Perhaps I can do the same. I am worried about him. He has been isolated for days. He was making such progress, ranting, threatening, ordering the deaths of his enemies. But now, for some reason, he seems, I don't know, depressed. I fear to save the master, I must do something drastic. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. You can't handle the truth. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Oh, I didn't get a harump out of that guy. Just pick up enough harump. Ever dance with the devil? How about you, you crazy Dutch bastard? Would you give me a hand with the bags? Certainly. You take the blonde, or I'll take the one in the tiger. Go ahead. Make my day. Warriors! Come out to play! Everyone in this room is now dumber for having one. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. What? It's me, Master Drudge. I have the station report. May I come in? Thank you, Master. Shall I read the report? Fine. The crew continues to try to remove the thing of a thousand torments, but progress has slowed from the past few days since you've isolated yourself. Protocol 7 is ready and awaiting your command. Construction of the new shuttle is down about 20% ever since you isolated yourself. 
What's in the cafeteria today? It's taco day. Could you grab me a plate of nachos? I thought it might be a treat for you to go get them yourself. Or at least put on some pants. Maybe tomorrow. Why put on tomorrow what you can put on today? Is there anything else, Drudge? One thing. It's some... well... I am... um, Come on, Drudge, out with it. Okay. Um... You need to get off your lazy ass. Excuse me? The lair needs a strong leader to function. You've established yourself as such, but you stay locked up in here, things will become chaotic. Drudge, the truth is, I can't keep this up. I've tried to make this place better, but I've just become another villain. You are the lord of the lair, and the lord of the supervillains. But you are not like the others who seek these things. Destructor was a tyrant looking to enslave the world. Warpig looked to destroy it. Splicer was a plague who would have looked to destroy the world with decay. I know you feel bad about your part in their deaths, but that's what sets you apart from the others. You still have a conscience. I don't know. I I worry when I look in the mirror. One day, I'm not going to even recognize myself. Often brave men must wear a villain's face in order to become a hero. And I have an example. How's that? A movie. It is from 1997 and has two unique homo sapiens named John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. It's called Face Off. Wait a second. You want to watch Face Off with me? Well, yes, uh, we... Do what we must. It would be my complete and total obligation. (laughs) You know what? I'm into this. Okay, let's watch Face Off. Oh, joy. Mug shots. I've been uh, chasing this guy ever since I joined the force. He... He has no conscience, and he uh, he shows no no remorse. He's the mastermind behind numerous bombings and political assassinations. He uh, has a felony list a mile long: murder, arson, kidnapping, terrorism—you name it. He's the most dangerous and brilliant criminal mind I've ever known. I, for years, I've I've been watching him tracking him studying his every every move i know his every every mannerism facial tick gesture i know him better than he knows himself and now after all this time i finally figured out a way to trap him i will become him You're not having any fun, are you, Sean? Try terrorism for hire. We'll blow some stuff up. It's more fun. Plan B. Let's just kill each other. 
Face Off, 1997, directed by John Woo. In order to foil an extortion plot, an FBI agent undergoes facial transplant surgery and assumes the identity and physical appearance of a terrorist, but a plan turns from bad to worse when the same terrorist impersonates the FBI agent. Starring John Travolta as Sean Archer, Nicolas Cage as Caster Troy, Gina Gershon as Sasha Hassler. Bullet points. The movie starts with John Travolta's character, Sean Archer, off for a lovely day at the fair with his son and gets shot in the back. Nicolas Cage's character, Caster Troy, was there to assassinate Sean Archer and wound up accidentally shooting his son. This is the only moment in the movie where Caster Troy feels bad about any of the decisions he makes. We skip ahead six years. Archer has become the head of a covert anti-terrorist team, and he has become obsessed with capturing Caster Troy. Even though it's obvious all of his people are working as hard as they possibly can for him, he still berates them for not working hard enough. At this same time, Caster Troy is planting a bomb in the LA Convention Center. He is disguised as a priest, mixed in with an international church choir that is there performing. It is here that we see Nicolas Cage being his most Nicolas Cageiest, as he headbangs to the music and gropes a young girl in the choir. <laughs> While working on the case, Archer gets a call from his wife. Before he's able to answer the call, he gets a tip that Castor's brother Pollux is at the airport and has just paid for a plane. He runs off without answering the phone call. <laughs> Castor meets up with Pollux at the airport. Pollux seems to be the technical brains of the operation, whereas Castor is more the charismatic leader. Castor finds out Pollux had paid for the airplane and berates him for not allowing the henchmen to do it so they can stay hidden, stating that if he didn't love him so much, he would have to kill him. <laughs> Pollux and Castor board their plane, and Castor, in true slimeball fashion, starts making sexual advances towards the stewardess. Archer and his task force arrive and try to box in the plane that Caster Troy is trying to take off in. The stewardess reveals herself to be an FBI agent. She pulls her gun out on Caster, but is attacked from the side by Pollux Troy. Caster shoots her and throws her off of the airplane in front of full view of Archer. Archer, with use of a helicopter, is holding down the flaps of the airplane with the landing gear of the helicopter, preventing Castor from taking off. So Castor drives the plane into a hangar. A firefight breaks out between the federal agents and Castor and his crew. In this fight, Pollux is captured. Archer meets up with Castor and they have a one-on-one -on -one confrontation in the jet hangar. During the fight, a jet engine that is being tested is turned on. Castor is thrown in front of the engine, and the force knocks him back into the wall, knocking him into a coma. Archer goes home, finds out his daughter has been suspended from school for fighting, and then announces to his wife that he finally got Castor Troy. He then makes a promise to try and be a better father, and to be there for his family.
After returning to work, Archer, still being a jerk to his co-workers, gets a visit from Special Operations, who tell him that Castor's threat of destroying Los Angeles was in fact genuine. They found evidence that there is a bomb with a biological weapon planted somewhere in L.A. Archer realizes the only person that Pollux will give the information about the bomb to will be his brother Castor. However, unfortunately, Castor is not available anymore. The special operations officer states she has another idea. Archer is taken to a high-tech medical facility where he finds out that Castor Troy is not dead but being kept alive in a coma. They propose to surgically remove Castor Troy's face and graft it onto Sean Archer's body. That way Archer, who knows more about Castor than anybody else on the planet, can go into the cell with Pollux undercover and get the information they require. Archer says no. Archer instead interrogates Castor Troy's gang. He threatens Castor's ex-girlfriend, stating that he'll take away her child if she does not cooperate, but she states she hasn't seen Castor in years. Threatens one of his main henchmen. The only information he has is a date, the 18th. With the date moving up and no other options available, Archer agrees to the procedure. The operation is not officially sanctioned by the U.S. government, so Sean is forced to keep it a secret from everybody, including his own family. Sean goes home and explains that he has one last job to do before he can officially take a desk job. His wife is not too pleased with this news. Archer entrusts his wedding ring to his partner and undergoes the surgery. He has Troy's face engrafted onto his body and a microchip implanted in his larynx to make him sound like Castor Troy. They explain to Archer's team that he is away on a training operation, while Troy has awakened from a coma and is being sent to the same prison as his brother. Archer has been told he has only two days to get Pollux to divulge the location of the bomb. Archer is taken to Erewhon Prison, a high-tech, off-the-books prison. They make it clear that the normal rules of prison do not apply here, and that punishment can be expected. The prisoners are forced to wear magnetic boots, which keep them in line. As Archer makes his way through the cafeteria, he finds Pollux, but everyone else recognizes him as Castor Troy. Some of the prisoners try to talk to him, and he bluffs his way through. However, before he reaches Pollux, another prisoner jumps him. They get into a fight, which the guards allow to continue. Pollux seems to have some doubts as to the authenticity of his brother, until Archer decides to start acting crazy the way Castor Troy would, screaming and hollering and viciously beating his opponent, until the guards turn on the magnetic boots and stop the fight. Back at the medical facility, the real Castor Troy wakes up. He finds his face missing. He contacts his gang and have them kidnap the doctor and bring him down to the facility. 
Archer goes to talk to Pollux as Big Brother Caster Troy. However, Pollux seems to have some doubts as to Troy's behavior. Archer explains it away as having just come out of a coma and doesn't have his full senses about him yet. Pollux tries to test Caster by asking what type of medication he takes. However, Archer has studied both brothers for years and had the answer. During their conversation, Archer finds out that the bomb is being held in the LA Convention Center. After getting the information, he takes a moment to mock Pollux. After having received the necessary information, Archer expects his partner to extract him from the prison. However, when he goes to meet his visitor, he finds Caster Troy wearing the face of Sean Archer. Troy explains that he killed his partner, the doctor, and the agent that all knew that he was Archer and not Caster Troy, and intends to leave him in the prison for the rest of his life. Archer tries to kill Troy, however the guards run in and beat him up. Caster, as Archer, finds his way to Sean Archer's home. When he gets there, he flirts with Archer's wife, goes through Archer's diary to learn a little bit more about him, and gets creepy with his daughter. He finds her smoking in her room and goes to take some of her cigarettes. She tries to explain it away as it's not her cigarettes. He doesn't care and starts smoking. He explains to the daughter Jamie that there's going to be a lot of changes from here on out. Pollux gets taken away past the cell that Archer is in. He stops for a moment to mock Archer. The guards explain that Pollux has cut a deal with Sean Archer to turn state's evidence to get released. He tries to explain that he is Sean Archer, but gets abused for his troubles. <laughs> Caster gets Pollux into the station and tells him to confess to the location of the bomb, says he plans to disarm the bomb and become a national hero, thus putting the Sean Archer personality to use for him. After finding the bomb at the LA Convention Center, Caster Troy, as Archer, dismisses the bomb squad and then disarms the bomb himself. Caster Troy gets the accolades of Archer's peers and funding from the president to be the top anti-terrorist organization in the world. He celebrates by making love to Archer's wife. Gross. Sean Archer realizes that if Caster Troy is going to start acting like Sean Archer and try to take over his life, in order to get to him, he's going to need to start acting like Caster Troy, and he starts by breaking out of prison. He gets into a fight with the guards in order to get taken to the clinic, where they plan to do shock treatments on him. Before they do that, they have to remove his magnetic boots. Once they do, he overpowers the guard with the help of some other prisoners and starts a riot. He fights his way to the outside of the prison, which he finds out is on an old abandoned oil rig in the middle of the ocean. He evades some helicopters and dives into the ocean. <laughs> Caster returns to Sean Archer's office and is told that Caster Troy died while trying to escape prison. He wants to see the body, and they say the body hasn't recovered. This gets him very angry, and he orders the police to start looking for Caster Troy. 
Archer tries to make some calls and warn people about the fake Sean Archer. He calls his wife, but she doesn't believe him. He then calls his boss, but Caster Troy answers the phone. Archer says, if you're Sean Archer, then I must be Caster Troy. Archer makes his way to the hideout of the same gang that he interrogated when looking for Caster Troy's bomb. They, thinking he is Caster Troy, are glad to see him and welcome him. They ask what his plan is, and he says he wants to kidnap Sean Archer and take his face off. Title drop. While Caster Troy plans to hunt down Sean Archer, he notices in the driveway Jamie being sexually assaulted by a boyfriend. Playing the loving father, he goes outside, beats the hell out of him, and then gives her a knife for protection. Archer spends some time with Caster's ex-girlfriend Sasha and finds out that Sasha's son is actually Caster Troy's son. Archer apologizes to Sasha as Caster Troy for making her life harder. Pollux, spying on their old friends, found out that Archer was there, so Caster calls in the SWAT team to raid their old hideout. During the firefight between the police and the gangsters, Archer makes sure that Sasha and her son get out safely. He also winds up killing Pollux Troy. The next day at the office, Archer's boss, Victor, tells him that he wants to put a stop to his raids because of excessive force. Caster then kills Victor, blaming it on a heart attack. Archer goes home and tries to convince his wife of the truth. He informs her that Archer and Troy's blood types are different. Archer's wife takes a blood sample from Troy while he sleeps, and then takes it to the hospital where she works to have it analyzed, and finds out that the blood type does not match her husband's. Archer convinces his wife that he really is Sean Archer by telling the story of their first date. She believes him and patches his wounds, and then tells them that Troy will be at Victor's funeral tomorrow. That's when he decides to make his move. Archer and Troy get into a gunfight at the church where Victor's funeral is. During this, Sasha is killed. Caster punches Archer in the throat, knocking loose the microchip, which disguises his voice as Caster Troy's. Archer starts choking out Caster in an attempt to kill him, but Jamie pulls a gun on them, thinking that her father is in danger. Jamie shoots Archer in the shoulder, and Troy takes Jamie hostage, but Jamie uses the knife that Troy gave her to stab him in the leg. The fight progresses until the two wind up in a high-speed boat chase. Yes, you heard that right. After many explosions and a fistfight on a speedboat, the two wind up crashing on the beach. The two continue fighting on the beach until Archer gets the advantage. Troy tries to cut his own face off to prevent Archer from ever retrieving it. Archer winds up kicking him in the groin and killing him with a spear gun. The police arrive, but instead of arresting Archer, they have been informed of the switch by Archer's wife, and believe that this man is actually Sean Archer. 
Sometime later, Archer gets the procedure reversed and his own face back and winds up adopting the son of Sasha. Super Villain Beatdown This is one of my favorite John Travolta performances, mainly because it's Nicolas Cage. Joe Bob Briggs plays the prison doctor. This is important because Joe Bob Briggs is awesome. Castor and Pollux are characters in Greek mythology, also known as the Gemini Twins. Now even if you're really into Greek mythology, this seems to be an odd choice to name your kids, especially when they're years apart. You name your first kid Castor, that means you have to have another kid just to name him Pollux. The only way to verify who is Castor and who is Archer is that they have different blood types, which would make a transplant impossible, but hey, don't let that interfere with the action. Sasha, you can love your brother, just don't love your brother. You know, I bet if John Woo directed Jane Eyer, Jane would jump over a table shooting two automatic pistols. Archer, that thing you do with running your hand over people's faces, that's not endearing. It's just creepy. Why is it headphones in movies can block out even gunfire? And where can I get a pair of these? That would be the best night's sleep I've ever had. I didn't know doves were Catholic, but there are so many in this church. You know, I probably could sum up this movie in just two words, but instead, I'm gonna let the nature boy do it. John. Rogue's Gallery. I'm gonna invite you to a show, but first, Allow me to destroy your gallery. It's crap! Ah, Caster Troy. The man is the walking, talking embodiment of the id. He is driven by greed, sexual desire, and aggression. The love for his brother seems to be the only desires he has that is not driven by self-gratification. As such, he is the exact opposite of Sean Archer. It was only a matter of time before the portrait of Caster Troy, by whichever face you choose to look upon him, would hang here, in the rogues gallery. Stop it. Just stop. Get back to work. What's a monkey doing on the bridge? We're not supposed to have monkeys on the bridge. Get your feet off the console. Who brought a volleyball up here? Quit tossing that around. If the master sees this... You know, that's funny. Here I was thinking celebration time was over. over. Don't you people have work to do? Oh, Master. It's so good to see you up and about. And with pants on. Yeah, sorry I was away for so long. Drudge, I, I know movies aren't your thing. And the fact that you were willing to sit through something you didn't even want to do just to help snap me out of my depression, well, that's a sign of a true friend right there. I'm your friend, Master? And a good one at that. Oh, I've never had a friend before. Thank you, Master. As such, you know you don't have to call me that, right? Call you what, Master? Work in progress. Work in progress. Well, I've shirked my responsibilities for too long here. I'm gonna get started back into the fold right about now. In fact, I'm gonna start my recording. Oh, yes, about that, Master, you see. Okay, we're gonna get busy here. Getting see, ready. the thing is, it was on a time. Beginning recording in three, two, one, now. <laughs> As the man once said, you either die a hero 
or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. When life gives you the tools to be the bad guy, it's important to try to be good. Make someone smile. Make someone laugh. Share your favorite movie with them. And if you need some shelter from the villains of your life, then make sure to join me back here in the secret lair. This is Mark, the Eclectic Dyslexic, signing off.